0: Dedicated to George R.R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series. dun. dun, dun. And the HBO Game of Thrones franchises. I'm intrigued. <laughs> You're listening to Before the Dragon. Dun, dun, dun. Some of the most vocal of online responses witnessed by this podcaster in the days leading up to the last week's House of the Dragon premiere had sworn to not watch House of the Dragon because they didn't trust that HBO and these new showrunners could do any better with this show than Dave and Dan had done with Game of Thrones. The second loudest voice had said that they were leery of the show, but would watch. To date, 1,855,138 people have signed a petition asking for HBO to rewrite and reshoot Season 8 of Game of Thrones. And to remind you, that petition was started within a week following the Game of Thrones Season 8 finale, series finale in 2019. Well, last Sunday, the premiere of House of the Dragon had 20 million viewers worldwide in what qualifies as ratings these days, according to The Hollywood Reporter. That's a tenfold plus amount of the people who had signed that petition over the last three years so if all of these people weren't going to watch house of the dragon it certainly seems like they changed their mind and this is just a reminder that having the loudest voice especially online doesn't necessarily represent the majority voice and there is your proof Something else that came up that another rising social media voice is addressing is the fact that all of the HBO television shows in the Westerosi universe may use the same season eight ending as its canon for all of the shows, whether addressed by those shows or not. George himself seems to have been okay with this when asked, although his emphasis on just having more and more shows seems to me to indicate more of a caring of quantity over quality. And he can't be blamed for that. It happens to be the thing that Walt Disney Corporation wrestles with every other week, it seems like. The important thing here is that, personally, you can either like the idea or not. You can try to categorize it as just another MCU franchise that creates a new canon based on the Marvel Comics, Or you can try to justify liking it or not in any which way that you choose. But the one thing that seems to be becoming quite clear is that no matter how you're going to feel about it, no matter what you're going to say about it, you simply cannot escape it. And that's my soapbox. You can agree. You can disagree, but I want to hear from you why. So tweet to at the letter B, the number four of the dragon pod on Twitter. You can send emails to Mattsaudioblog at gmail.com, M A T S Audioblog at gmail.com, or you can leave comments on our website posts, which you can find those at mattsaudioblog.com. Once again, M A T T S com. Or you can also leave comments on our YouTube videos. Just search for the word before the Dragon Podcast there and comment on any video that you wish to comment on. Speaking of which, while we did do submissions for Three Words and for Brothelmates in our panel podcast last week, we did not address general feedback. And there's not a whole lot of it here. I would, of course, like more. I want to hear from more of you. But let's go through what we got before we start talking about Season 1, Episode 2 of House of the Dragon. Oi, can we get the feedback out of the monitors, please? So let's start off the feedback with some YouTube comments since we're trying to get our YouTube channel going. And please search for the YouTube channel. Search the word before the Dragon Podcast on YouTube and find it and comment on the videos yourself. Friend of the podcast, Nicole, who goes by Nightwolf Nim on YouTube and on Twitter, says this. I normally listen via Spotify, but I decided to check out the YouTube. Love how you edited this together. I agree with nearly all your points. The birthing scene was horrific. I wasn't expecting to get emotional in the first episode, but that was just hard to watch. As far as Damon goes, he was definitely poking at Otto at the tourney. LOL. Team Dame On, all the way. Matt Smith is fantastic. The a Song of Ice and Fire lore reveal gave me chills. Was not expecting these type of connections, but I'm here for it. Also submitted three words. Welcome back, Westeros. And as a brothel mates or best coupling, kings and heirs. Excellent stuff, Nightwolf Nim. Thank you very much. Uh, Julio. On YouTube, submitted this saying that if Balon had survived, there would be no war or bad feelings to come. Very good, Julio. Love that observation. On Twitter, Denise uh, tweeted also that magnificent tribute to Daenerys Targaryen when King Viserys recited a secret that all Targaryen rulers held called a song of ice and fire. It choked me up and nearly had me in tears, and the theme song at the end was also wonderful with the vocals. Thank you very much, Denise. I really appreciate that. I think that I'm probably not linking that prophecy as much to Daenerys or to Jon anymore if we take the Game of Thrones Season 8 ending as anything to be you know, considered in any of this, uh, but... If you want to take the text from the beginning where it was saying before Daenerys, I can see how that would be a milestone marker just to let us know where it was at. Um, I didn't see anything in that first episode as really being a tribute to Daenerys the way a lot of people did, including yourself, Uh, but I'm not opposing whatever you want to think about that as far as that goes. Also on Twitter, Peter who is at the cave night on Twitter says, thanks for keeping your podcast going. Looking forward to the coming 10 weeks. Excellent, Peter. We hope you'll stay with us. We hope you'll submit three words and things like that. We also got some feedback in the form of our polls. Time to update those polls. I put two polls on the Twitter last week at the letter B, the number four, the dragon pod on Twitter. The first poll, which received 3,000 votes on the 100 Twitter, if you know what I mean, I the first poll was, after watching the premiere episode, are you now convinced that all Baratheons are just a little bit too cocky for their britches? 85% said yes. 15% said no. That's a pretty round number for 3,000 votes on the 100 Twitter, if you know what I mean. Also 3,000 votes on the 100 Twitter, if you know what I mean. This question was, after watching the pilot episode of House of the Dragon, are you Team Dame On or Dame Off? And we already heard Nicole's answer. 83.3% agreed with Nicole Nightwolf Nim saying that they were Team Dame On, while 167 said Team Dame Off. Excellent. So that's all we have in terms of the feedback. Let's get right into talking about this particular episode. Season one, episode two, The Rogue Prince. I believe it is titled, but correct me if I turn out to be wrong on that. It was written by the showrunner Ryan Condal, directed by Greg Yatanes. And I probably said that name wrong too, but that's the way that I do things around here. I'm often much better at mispronouncing things than I am about properly pronouncing things. Let's get into it. So, as promised, the the intro that was promised, as Holly put it last week, we've got a new title sequence, lots of blood, lots of sigils, and I'll be honest, I was watching this on my computer, so I could not really distinguish what the different sigils were, but I promise I will pour over it a little better before the Thursday podcast comes out, and we will discuss what each of those sigils were. Otherwise, it's just a lot of blood, and it all leads back to the Targaryen sigil. So what does that mean? Targaryens. All blood leads to the Targaryens. Uh, You would think that all blood flows away from the Targaryens, but all blood seems to flow to the Targaryens. Anyway, that's what I got uh, out of that. The music itself, which I don't feel really needs any commenting on, it was pretty much the same as the main Game of Thrones theme. Kind of disappointing for me. Uh, I would have liked to have heard a, a new kind of theme. It did seem like there was a little bit of a difference in it in the fact that the percussion seemed just a little bit different. The percussion rhythms in that, not sure that it was actually different. Maybe it's just mixed differently this time around than it has been in times past, but the percussion seemed much more kind of in your face than it did in the years of Game of Thrones itself. As for the episode itself, I'm kind of going to be going chronologically through this. Some comments I may put in or out of order, but Lots of carnivorous crabs, and I hope that the Joffrey of Podcast uses that at some point during their podcast, which naturally I haven't heard yet. I'm not even sure if they've recorded it yet, but carnivorous crabs in that beginning scene, and it seems to be the tactic that this triarchy uses uh, to attack people. We see crabs around all over the place throughout this episode, anytime we're referring to the Stepstones. But it's continuing to cause trouble. Corleese was, of course correct last week when he was pointing at a map and said, we need to pay attention to this. Uh, it looks pretty horrific to me. Uh, but uh, this show has uh, done a pretty good job of being horrific all of the time. Uh, Cor- Corley's himself is continuing to complain and it, about it as we get to step into the council. And evidently we also learned that Damon has in the last six months since Emma died has taken over Dragonstone, has his old gold cloak army with him, so nobody's protecting King's Landing anymore. Uh, it seems that he—they're just protecting Dragonstone, and Dragonstone, of course, is where Rhaenyra was supposed to be cl- moving to once she becomes old enough. I guess it's said later in the episode, uh, but that's where she's supposed to move to as she is now the official heir. Um. So is that's Damon's way of of fighting on all sides, right? He's saying, "Well, I'm at Dragonstone now, so I'm still the heir." Uh, and uh, he's just kind of sticking his big middle finger out to both Viserys and Rhaenyra. It would seem in this way, as they discuss the stepstones, Rhaenyra has some ideas of her own. Uh, you know, just use dragons. And you know that dad isn't going to go for that. Uh, he's just way too decisive, isn't he? And I- I'm not even sure that that really is the greatest idea anyway. Because remember, first of all, Viserys uh, doesn't like dragons all of that much, as we learned in the last episode. But we also have kind of figured out, just through watching all of these shows, that dragons are kind of the world equivalent of a, of a nuclear option right and just like in our own world there there's always going to be some hesitation in going to that extreme although we did see the potential for that extreme being played out later on in the episode at Dragonstone itself. I'll get to that in just a little bit um, but the main thing that I hated about that was the way that her idea was just simply dismissed by making some kind of excuse for her. To be out of the room. I'm looking at you, Otto, uh, who I continue to not like. Um, I don't understand how she's supposed to be learning anything if she's just sent away all the time when Otto says so. And even Viserys later on in the episode says, Well, you're going to learn about these kinds of decisions. And I'm sitting there thinking, Well, yeah, like when? I mean, what better time than then? Let her sit in a room, let the conversation continue let her understand that you don't want to necessarily push the button for every little instance. Um, so I, I'm not exactly sure what, uh, the purpose of sending her away was, but that happens to be that particular thing that Rhaenyra is sent away to do is to decide the next person who will be a Kingsguard because it's, down its old head Kingsguard and Sir Harold Westerling is now in charge of only five other knights as opposed to six other knights because the Kingsguard is supposed to have seven. So they need to pick a new Kingsguard and Rhaenyra is the one who's going to get to decide that. Of course, who does she choose? She chooses the hunk of of burning coal, baby. Kristen Cole is now a Kingsguard. Congratulations, Welcome to the realms elite and only because you got to actually fight in a real battle as opposed to just an attorney is seemingly what that decision was all about. But we kind of know what that decision was really about. Rhaenyra kind of has, or at least last week, which would have been six months prior to this now, but she was kind of, uh, pining a little bit for Kristen Cole. It seemed in the last episode so that made it an even easier decision. She just found the proper excuse for choosing him. As far as I'm uh, you know, thinking about how this goes. Now, I'm not really sure how uh, the new head of the Kingsguard, Sir Harold Westerling, actually feels about Rhaenyra's decision. Um, but it's pretty clear that Otto Hightower, who is also not only has it kicked her out, but now he's going to get in her business and make sure she chooses the right one. He's not really very happy at uh, this decision either, unless he is absolutely using some really slick reverse psychology in order to manipulate Rhaenyra. I don't think that he wants Kristen Cole in there um, because that seems kind of right with his character, right? He thinks that Kristen Cole is someone who is beneath the station and shouldn't be included in the King's Guard. That kind of fits the mold. So I don't think he's really trying to manipulate Rhaenyra there in any way beyond the awkwardness of the conversation between Alicent and Viserys, especially regarding Rhaenyra, there was actually some pretty interesting stuff being spoken in there about Old Valyria and how the Dragonlords had this place uh, that they was right up against the mountain, just like Dragonstone is uh, a volcano, I suppose, and that, uh, you know, there's more mentions of that particular volcano and dragons and some kind of connection there and the inclusion of blood mages as well. So all of that old mystique stuff, which is still feeding into this mystery of what exactly happened as far as the doom of Valyria goes, we've been told that, you know, it was covered in ash, that it, it basically exploded, that there was fire and everything. And that makes you think of a volcanic eruption but there was also an illusion in last week's episode about how that might be tied in to the dragons themselves. And here, I guess they're trying to lay a further connection between the dragons and volcanoes. As far as old Valyria goes, I am still not sure that I'm buying any of it. It's just too vague. It's too broad. And I'm not sure that it even needs to be pursued. Uh, but if we get more and more pieces of this to put together to where we can figure out exactly what happened at the doom, then perhaps we can, we can say more. I do know that there's multiple theories within the universe of a song of ice and fire itself, not just being made by the readers, but being made by the characters as well as to what exactly happened at Valyria. And I'm not sure that I buy any of them and any more that I buy any of this. So, I just, uh, I'm looking for an answer, George, uh, please supply an answer, uh, either through Ryan or finish a damn book. So I can find out for myself from you directly. Uh, there you go. There's this, another soapbox that I should get off of quickly. Uh, speaking of Rhaenyra and Allison, that scene in whatever sept that is, evidently it's not the sept of Baylor, even though it's he's pretty damn huge looking at it from the outside, um, or the inside but uh, that was a very touching scene between the two of them and I think that that makes the scene at the end where Rhaenyra finds out that Alicent and Viserys are, are going to be married or or Viserys says as much uh, I think that's one of the things that makes it so shocking to her is that this is the last person that she expected and she was somebody who could, she could talk to about her mother. And what have you. And I don't know if there's any sense of betrayal there, but there certainly is a sense of surprise in Rhaenyra at the end. We'll talk more about that later. Um, There was some great music in there as well. Uh, And I want to be sure to address that in the Thursday cast. I won't talk too much about it here. Uh, But um, Rhaenyra's stuff, uh, talking about her mother um, and you couple that with the talk with her father later on. Um, I'm much more sold on Rhaenyra this week, despite, I think the fact that the, the whole dragon idea in the stepstones was probably not, uh, a, the most rational thing to bring up. It's kind of like the instant, let's just break it, break out the big guns right now and get it over with. Um, don't like that kind of jumping to the end, uh, kind of decision-making, But I did feel a lot more for Rhaenyra this week than I did last week. I felt like last week the stuff with Emma took so much away from everything else um, that it was harder to invest in these characters than it should have been. Or the fact that that hole that is no no longer being filled by Emma is now uh, allowing us to invest more quickly and more deeply in some of these other characters that surround her. But speaking of dad, Rhaenyra's dad, um, man, the throne is coming after him. Evidently, it doesn't want him in power anymore. Uh, Now that cut that we saw him get on his finger uh, has started to rot his finger. He's got infections on his back that are growing. His finger is rotting. They're trying maggots now. And I'm worried that he's just – they ought to just cut the thing off now before it gets any worse is what I'm saying. And the Corleys and and Rainey's pitch to Viserys, you think he's got this problem here with uh, being able to sit on the throne. Um, their proposal, before you meet Lena or before you realize who she is from last week because she was sitting there at the tourney uh, in front of Corleys – and, and Rainy's, uh, she was one of their children that was sitting there. But if you didn't realize that, and you're just watching this pitch being made by Corliss and Rainy's, it seems pretty sound. Um, and then you find out how exactly how old Lena is. And of course, you realize how old Viserys is. And I love that they put those same kind of concerns in Viserys's mouth as well. Um, although, um, there's a lot of arguments. If you're going to make these kind of arguments in this world, you can sit there and say, well, from by our, looking at it through our eyes, this is really weird. Um, but I think if the show is trying to make me see the way a p- patriarchal society back in the middle ages works or, or to somehow, make me realize the injustices that are still occurring around the world. I mean, you're way past that. I've, I, I already know that stuff. Um, so it was a wasted effort to try and shock me on the show's part this particular week. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. Uh, but this week I'm just kind of like, yeah, this is pretty typical of, uh, the kind of chicanery, um, that men are capable of, uh, or that a male based society is capable of. It's, awful, it's it's creepy, and it's meant to be. That's the thing. They they were trying to shock you. Uh I kind of think that they kind of failed. Um and if they're trying to teach a lesson, uh, you know summing up with Lord Lionel's speech uh doesn't really pay the bill uh because he gives himself as a perfect example of that patriarchal world. Although I will say that I kind of dug Lord Lionel Strong, in this particular episode. And I loved how he was being very frank with his king, Viserys, regarding Lady Lena. And I mean, yes, it absolutely is creepy. But I mean, if you're going to get creepy, whether you want it to be or not, um, he is right about making, at very least on the practical side of it, you'd rather make Driftmark and the Velaryons a stronger ally as opposed to turning... Uh, That into an enemy, but of course all of that pales in comparison to the final stick, so to speak, in Viserys's stomach this week, which is the showdown at Dragonstone, and the fact that Daemon has flaunted this twofold lie: uh, he's not really planning on marrying Missaria anytime soon, and they definitely don't have a child. By the way, I'm going to put that on the poll at the letter B, the number four, the Dragon Pod on Twitter are you still team Dame on or have you turned a team Dame off this week? Uh, because the guy's just somebody who does a lot of kissing and telling without actually doing the kissing, uh, so to speak. Do you, are, are How are you feeling about Damon this week? That'll probably be the only poll that I put out, unless our panelists put up something great to me to put up on the polls later on this week. But when it culminates in this showdown, at Dragonstone. First of all, you got to love that Damon, who has been picking at Otto and picking at Otto this whole time, uh, gets Otto instead of Viserys. Uh, I almost, you know, he says he doesn't, you know, he asks where Viserys is, but I think he rather enjoys that Otto has shown up in his stead. But the big... F- thing about this of course is the parts that you didn't see in the trailers and that was that Rhaenyra would show up after Damon shows everybody that you know he's got Caraxes oh well there's somebody else who's using a nuclear option and then Rhaenyra who had already said something about using a nuclear option shows up with with Cyrix. so you know, you think, oh, boy, are we going to get some kind of dragon battle right off the front here? No, of course not. But I loved Rhaenyra's bravery to get right up in Damon's face. And once again, Matt Smith was wonderful in this. I thought Millie Alcock was wonderful in this scene. There was great, great intensity. And I love that uh, basically he backed down. He really understands that what his brother did to him um was to spurn him for the heir for the day. And he doesn't really, I don't guess hold too much against Rhaenyra about, this, Rhaenyra about this, but I keep wondering why did he choose that particular dragon egg? Did he do that to spite Viserys uh, because of the whole heir for the day thing? Or did he do that to spite Rhaenyra because she's been named the heir, and he knows that she was the one who picked that dragon egg. Uh, I don't know who exactly the stab, whether the stab was just at Viserys or her, if you have an answer for that, or even just a theory about that, feel free to let me know. Tweet to at the letter B, the number four, the dragon pod on Twitter, or you can send emails to matsaudioblog at gmail.com, M-A-T-T-S audioblog at gmail.com. You can also comment on any of the posts at matsaudioblog.com, M-A-T-T-S audioblog.com, Or on our YouTube channel, once again, just search for The Word Before, The Dragon Podcast on YouTube. Find our videos, leave comments there. Also hit that like button and that subscribe button while you're there. That's very helpful to us. We're trying to build this audience so that I don't have to tell you how to just search for our YouTube channel, but I can give you an actual URL that you can understand and type in or just click out of our show notes. So, please help us subscribe. I'm still not there yet as far as the number of subscribers I need in order to make a custom URL for the podcast there. Whew, well, I talked a lot there about the podcast. I and mean, when I should be talking about the fact that Lionel Strong is once again um, speaking the truth of the politics about it, but it doesn't even really matter because Viserys has already made his own decision. He's chosen Alicent. Do you think that Viserys chose Alicent as a last ditch effort uh, to get out of the Lena thing? Or was it because, uh, you know, she has exhibited some understanding of his viewpoint and he seems to have appreciated hers when she had that dragon that he broke and uh, put it back together by the stonemasons or recreated by the stonemasons? Uh, she really comes across as getting him. Now, how much of that is manipulation and how much of that is genuine? I don't know. I want you to tell me again, tweet me, email me, do all that stuff. And let me know how much you think that this is Alison doing her own mechanisms or her own machinations in terms of the, uh the, you know, her ambition, or is it just trying to come up with her own machinations to fulfill her father's vision? Uh, because she still doesn't seem to dig her father pushing her on him all of that much. Yet at the end here, it actually goes exactly the way Otto wanted, uh, seemingly. And that is that Viserys is now going to choose Alicent as to be his next wife and potentially the mother of the new heir to the Iron Throne. This does not sit well with Rhaenyra, of course, she is very much disliking it. And again, she seems surprised. I don't know if I would say betrayed. She just seems really shocked by it. Um, and so, hence, there would be some betrayal about this. Because Allison obviously, just as Viserys had said earlier in the episode, Alicent evidently has not said anything about her meetings with Rhaenyra's father to Rhaenyra herself. So I'm sure that there is a little bit of betrayal there. But what I saw mostly on her face was just shock. She was completely surprised. She didn't even know that Allison was in Viserys' life at all. And Corlys is obviously not happy with this at all. Um, but he's when he invites Damon to, to Driftmark, he's not inviting him to talk about that. He's inviting him to talk about the Stepstones and, the, you know, this triarchy that he's been warning everybody about for too long. And that we saw in action this week, somebody just putting a whole bunch of crabs out there to eat up sailors. That's pretty horrifying. Um, but one of the things that put me back on team Damon on this particular episode, despite Miss chewing him out and rightfully so, and just the way he was. I still can't figure out if he was poking at both Rhaenyra and Viserys, or just Viserys with the whole dragon egg bit. But despite any end of that, I ended up again on Team Daemon simply because I loved the fact that he told Corlys after Corlys started bad mouthing Viserys. He said, "No, no, no, no. I get to do that. You do not." Uh, Which is Perfectly in line with what he told his brother last week, even as he was being banished, that he's always tried to protect Viserys. Uh, and even in this case, even this minute case, he's continuing to do so. It seems a little conceited, the fact that, you know, he protects his brother in that way from everybody else, but he still gets to keep the right to badmouth his own brother. Um, that seems a little bit not good, but I still, uh, admire the fact that he stood up to Corlys, at least on that front. Uh, the other thing of course is, will Damon go with Corlys and will they fight the stepstones? And I suppose that if you are a book reader or if you happen to watch the next week on house of the dragons trailer, which is at the end of every episode, Um, you may already know the answer to that, but I won't talk about that right here. Just in case you haven't watched any of that, uh, you make your decision yourself and we'll talk more about it in the future. Uh, but I, I just love how they set that particular decision up at wonderful. I've got some other little notes here, uh, back to Lord Lionel strong. Um, he points out, this is interest was interesting to me that at this time, House Valerian is considered to be the richest house in the realm, not House Lannister. So I cannot recall my Westerosi history to the point of understanding when it is that the Lannisters started, you know, kind of pooping gold. But uh, I thought we were already there by this time. I guess we are not. Uh, what I need to do and what you need to do what we both need to do is check with Aziz and Ashaya over at History of Westeros podcast and get a more detailed explanation of this. Uh, but I love the fact that a Lannister might not be the richest soul in Westeros, or at least not the richest soul in Westeros that anybody is caring about, uh, it, at least not Lord Lionel Strong. Um, if he overlooked a Lannister, then um, he probably did so for a reason, but I don't know. Uh, anyway uh, evidently the Velaryons are richer than the Lannisters at this point in history so that was very interesting to me. Uh, Masaria herself and I've only mentioned her briefly uh, but I'm still wondering is she actually ambitious last week she was talking about you know how Daemon was still the heir and I didn't know if that was reassuring or if she was actually reassuring herself but I love that she told truth to power here saying hey man you don't say that stuff about me. You don't say that we're about to be married or that I'm going to have a child. There's something that I fear. I didn't come to you because, you know, I had these kind of ambitions. I came to you because I wanted to be liberated from fear. Um, evidently, she's had a life not unlike Melisandre's in a lot of ways. It's very interesting. Um, although Melisandre never seemed to be Have all that much fear. Here, Masaria doesn't seem to have any fear anymore either, but she just does want to be protected, uh, evidently, or at least that's what she tells Damon. Now, is she manipulating Damon in some way or trying to? I have no idea. Do you have an idea? Let me know what you think about that. Uh, And I love that she called Damon out for just, you know, stirring Bleep up uh, and, and how that was essentially just really immature. Because it was. I don't have anything really all that much else to say about the show itself. Uh, a quick update on our Seven Hells game. Kelly had Sir Harold. I didn't hear him say any dragon names or curse this episode. Uh, Susan had uh, Veramond Valarian. I don't even think he was in the episode. Uh, John had Alicent. And she really said as little as possible in this episode, trying to keep secrets from Rhaenyra. Um, she may have been thinking some of those choice words about her dad, judging by her facial expressions in this episode, but she didn't say any of them. Uh, Holly had break bones uh, strong, who I don't think was even in the ep either. And as I said, uh, everybody else got away. I had Lord Lionel Strong. I did not hear him use any cuss words or call out any dragon name in this episode either. Uh, maybe that's why I really liked his stuff this week and why I paid particular interest in it is because uh, his wordings was going to matter whether I was punished or not, but I have no new punishments either. Everybody got off st- got free this week. Susan and I will be paying old punishments from week one. However, in this Week's Thursday podcast. Susan's going to be doing the patch face punishment where she has to end her takes with a familiar patch face saying, I know, I know either that or relate the topics to being under the sea. Um, and I of course will be Paying the hound, which is means I'll be eating chicken for the entirety of the podcast. In fact, I have a very special chicken prepared, not prepared by me, prepared by my mother. I just recently, uh, like today, had dinner uh, with my mother and she served chicken. And I told her about what I was going to have to do this week. And she said, Oh, here, this should keep long enough. Take it with you. So I've got almost a whole chicken. Uh, to eat from her. I'll also have chicken from a gas station, chicken from uh, various places, uh, because Holly wants me to eat all of the bleeping chicken. But I'll be doing that, you'll be able to see me doing that on the YouTube versions of the podcast. So be sure to subscribe, search for the word before the Dragon Podcast on YouTube and subscribe and be ready to be entertained and likely very grossed out by my eating chicken uh, throughout the podcast. If you have a weak stomach, this may not be the podcast for you, but Susan's is more of an audio form. She's not going to be dressing up as a jester or anything like that, um, even though I would have paid for a costume. This one is actually classified as an audio punishment. So there you go. That's everything for this particular week. We will have one to maybe two podcasts out on Thursday getting deeper into the music, getting deeper into your submissions for three words and that kind of thing. I don't have a three words or a brothelmates yet for this particular episode. I've got to think about it. You need to think about it too, and be sure to send everything, even your, just your general thoughts about this episode, how crazy you think some of the things that I said in this podcast were whatever you want to say. Feel free to tweet at the letter B, the number four, the Dragon Pod on Twitter. You can send emails to mattsaudioblog at gmail.com, m-a-t-t-s audioblog at gmail.com. You can leave comments on the posts at the website. The website is mattsaudioblog.com, m-a-t-t-s com. Or you can also leave comments on our YouTube videos. Please do so. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and like those videos while you're there as well. Just search for the word before The Dragon Podcast on YouTube. Find us and subscribe. That's all I got. Take care.